0: our online audience this morning to River Church in Tuscaloosa, where we're ministering on the always answered asker. And amazingly, this is our eighth time together, and we don't know when it's going to end. So turn in your Bible with me, if you would, to the book of Philippians, the book of Philippians chapter one. Now, I I tend to work on my stuff on Saturday night. It's not the best, but it is the freshest. Hallelujah. And he gave me a word last night, and I'm going to bring it to you. Because if I'm not, and if you're not a bringer of words, what are you? We are publishers of good news with our mouth. It says in verse 23, Paul tells the church at Philippi, for I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. I am in a strait betwixt two. Right there, you see a choice. Could you say it with me? A choice. I am in a strait betwixt two. There's a choice there. And with every choice, unconfirmed choice, there's a wrestling. Do you all know about wrestling with a choice? The Word uh, says that when you're in that place, or you can stay in that place too long, and you can be what James calls double-minded. And the double-minded man, goes on, he says in chapter 1, can not hope to receive anything from God. Did you all get that? The double-minded man. There's twelve people you can't help, and the double-minded man is one of them. He's he cannot receive anything from God. But in verse 24, he says, "Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you." So quickly, he shifted his choice. Which way should he go? To go on, go to heaven. You understand? Paul, by modern standards, had a pretty tough life. He was in jail. Uh, he had a history of being shipwrecked and left for dead and stoned and the whole thing. So you wouldn't blame Paul for considering. Had known out. But here we see that he, he leans or he moves towards in his choice the confidence in God. He said, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. So he made his decision not for based on what would best for him, but for best for them. He made a decision. He made a decision. He made a decision. I want you to get this because this is the word of the Lord. In verse 25, he said, and having this confidence, which is uh, to be with Christ, which is far better, but to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Having this confidence I know that I shall abide and continue with you for your furtherance and for your joy. So the declaration of the kingdom prevailed. Have y'all made decisions about, not, not recently, but anybody could say, I wait to decide whether to go to church on Sunday morning. How do I feel? What does it look like? When did I get up? What did I do the night before? And, what do I have to do right after church? We, it, it enters in there, and uh, you have to make that choice, and you get a confidence about it eventually, where you go, it doesn't matter what happened last night. It doesn't matter how I feel this morning. It doesn't matter what my afternoon looks like. I'm going to church. We've all been there. Oh, yeah, I had a pastor friend in Seminole that he, he told us at the minister's, minister's meeting, the Alliance, he said, yeah, I've named my bed the word. And so when I have some member call me and saying, what do you do? What do you do? And he says, I'm in the word. <laughs> he thought it was funnier than we did that day. Hallelujah. So he said uh, the kingdom prevailed and he said there's joy and there's increase in letting the kingdom prevail in our decisions, in our choices, in our caught between the two, betwixt the two. So here's what the word Lord ministered to me. And here is the word. It's three words. Remove the gray. Say it with me. Remove the gray. Now, I don't know who you are. Don't know if it's anybody in this room. But we're going out all over the world. And so we're going to say, thus saith the Lord, remove the gray. Be single-minded in hearing And obeying God, be single-minded, make the decision, make the choice, get off what we call high center. And here's the other part of it, he said to me, unfulfilled prophecies are at the door because your life is out of order. Now, how many of y'all got some prophecies that are still pending, so to speak? It's like, well, when's this going? Why did he give me this word? Why did that person give me this word, thus saith the Lord, and prophesy to me? And then nothing happened. I've got a bunch of those, several anyway. And some of them have expired. Some of them didn't happen, and they can't happen because of the, the people that were involved and the things that I was doing. But he said, uh, remove the grave, be single-minded in hearing And obeying God, unfulfilled prophecies are at the door because your life is out of order. So I'm saying to me, do what you will. Michael, get in order. Get your life in order. Open the door by making the choice. Open the door to the unfulfilled prophecies by making the call. Paul said, I'm betwixt the two. I got two things going on, and I like both of them. I really like this going to heaven thing. He said, I've run my race and finished my course. God doesn't even care if I stay. Open the door by making the choice and ending the wrestle. Michael, end the wrestle. Anything that I'm double-minded about, anything I'm choosing about, anything that's been on the shelf for very long, It may not be time to do it, but it's time to choose it. This has nothing to do with the message this morning. I'm delivering a word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Would you all agree that when something's over, it's over? This life is going to be over one way or the other. There's uh, how many people leave the planet every day? Pastor West told me the other day. It's 1.9 people per second. You can figure it up, but it's thousands leave the planet every day. And you know, for them, at that moment, it's over. So we're not talking death here. We're just saying there is a finality to everything. If you're paying rent or making a payment... It's due on the 30th, well, on the first of the next month, it's over. Somebody's thinking about you. (laughs) They're thinking, where's my money and all that sort of stuff. So when it's over, that day, uh, that day is coming when you are over in an instance. In other words, here it is. Here's the translation. There are consequences to not making a decision quickly, to not making a decision in faith. Listen to me, I'm just talking, I I got this and I wrote it down, I got it in red right here. And then on a separate note, but in line with this somewhat, uh, I heard this the other day or several months ago, if your dreams don't, they said scare you, I took that word out and said if your dreams don't awe you, then your dreams are not big enough. So I'm telling myself, think bigger. I told you the story the other day about the group of men and women that were 100 years old. It's mostly women. And they asked them the question, well, what is your greatest disappointment? What, what do you wish that you'd done? And they said, oh, no doubt. We wish we'd taken more risk. So I'm out there. How about you? Not taken the convenient way. Because this life is a vapor. It's, it's over in just a blink. When we get into the eternity side of life, we'll say, I should have done better because it was just for 70 or 80 or 90 or 100 years. I, sh- I, sh- I should have endured and paid the price and suffered through it and walked by faith and, and uh, kept my mouth shut. Whatever we say that we didn't, we were like, I'm so tired of these people. No, we should have just endured because it's a vapor. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, let's turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 3. That lesson's over. Do with it what you will. If it doesn't apply, just say, that was nice for somebody. And if if it's you, wake up. I know I woke up when I got it. These words aren't for other people. They're for me and for you, too. Ephesians chapter 3. We're talking about the always answered asker. Can we put the word I am in front of that together and say it? I am the always answered asker. So my question to you, since this is week number eight, have you been asking? Or is this thing just like, I don't even know what he's preaching about. This is week eight, and I, I, I had not been paying attention. Or have you been impacted by this? This this intervention into your life where the Lord stops everything and just hammers it for eight weeks and maybe not finished this morning where he keeps on asking you and asking me to change our way of thinking and our way of living to get more on the kingdom side than on the Michael side. I'm always on the Michael side in some degree, aren't you? I mean, not on the Michael side, but on your side. And But we're always making the adjustment. Okay, back, 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 back to the kingdom. But we're always tempted. So I, I asked Deborah Ann this morning, so I rewrote this this morning. How many hours, Barry would know, but I didn't want to ask him this morning. Uh, how many hours does it take to have a semester hours in college? In other words, it takes about 128 at least hours to graduate how many hours? If you take, uh, if you take three hours, what does that mean? Well, because you're going to school, you're, somebody's paying for it, and you're showing up every day, and you're buying books and paying fees and studying and taking tests. It's a hassle going to school. I mean, it's an interruption because you're doing it to go do something else. It's not an end to itself. You're you're preparing, hopefully, to do something else. So I got to figure, and I looked it up, and it said that a. Uh, a semester hour is, uh, is uh, three. Back to my discovery this morning. So because I've been to college, I graduated, I got a degree and everything, but I don't, it was a blur. So, so if you take three semester hours in a semester, that means you go to class three hours a week either Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for one hour, or Tuesday and Thursday for an hour and a half. And you go, it said, the average college semester is 14 to 20 weeks. So I cut that in half, and I think I called it 17. So that means that to be a master over a subject, for instance, biology. Well, nobody's a master in one semester of biology, or algebra, or geography, whatever they do. But you take biology 101 so that you can what? Take biology 102 or whatever it's called. It doesn't give you mastery. It just gives you where you pass third grade and they'll let you go to fourth grade. And if you get tired of all of it, you can just go home and work for your daddy. So they're saying that you can immerse yourself in a course of some kind, a secular course, they require you to go 50 hours, just on an average, 50 hours of class time. Is somewhere less than that or more than that, 50 hours. Can you say it with me? 50 hours. So that's secular. They're saying, we need you here 50 hours. We need you to read a book. We need you to turn in some reports to do some research to uh, have an interaction with a group and be here 50 hours a semester. And then we'll put you in biology 102 and then we'll put you in advance this and that. Think about it, the difference between that kind of thinking and the church. Now, I, I've been hammering, like I do, the always answered asker. This is our number eight. Do you think we can be masters at that? What if you, the average series is four hours. Four, six maybe, but usually preachers get it done in four and then they, people get bored and they, so they move on to the next show. We ought to pay attention. If the world says that it takes that long, and we're sharper than the world, we're quick, we catch But we might need to go home and do a little homework and not just say, I went to church. I got my nine hours, eight hours. What else is there? Well, even the the world says it takes longer than that. And then it takes four years or five to get out of school. And then you have something that you can present to an employer and he might or might not like it. We've got to put church in perspective because everybody says, ah, he just, he, I go to church all the time. Not that much. Not that much. We're only holding services for two times a week, which is pitiful, pitiful, pitiful. If you're in the business of equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, two hours on its own is just nothing. It's just, it's just tipping. It's just, uh, it's just a drive-by. It's a, It's, a, it's nothing. But yet we go, well, I I need to be, well, here's what we need to do. We have to think, I need to be master. I need to have mastery in a subject. Would you all agree? With the job that we have, raising our kids, making our life, uh, advancing the kingdom, fulfilling the call on our life, two hours a week, immersed in all the rest of our life, which is seven times 24, whatever that is, 170-something hours, I guess. We're only given two if we make all of those. I wonder why we're behind. I wonder why we don't have mastery in being always answered askers. No condemnation. I'm just saying, think about it. We're expected to go get a job, make a living, have a craft, have a place so that when Bubba comes along and they hire him, he doesn't know more than we do. We're supposed to have a, an expertise, one expertise, but I'm called to be have mastery over finances. How about you? I need to know how money works. I need to know how the kingdom works with money so I can cooperate, I can submit, I can come under it. I need to have mastery over healing. How about the gifts of the Spirit? you think we could find a use for those occasionally and need to know what that is and what about, he said, I wish above all things that you would prophesy, or prophesy, right? that's not the verse, but, but he said, I, I prophesy more than y'all. He wants us to prophesy. Our, do we have mastery over prophecy, over prophesying? How about the gifts of the Spirit? How about the fruit of the Spirit? How about the motivational gifts, where he said, uh, you might, be, uh, you might uh, prophesy, you might be a paymaster, you might be administrations. In other words, not just exposure. Well, I've heard about that. They will not give you a degree, or they used to didn't give you a degree. I'll say that. Just because you've heard about it. Yeah, yeah, I know what biology is. And yet, and yet the church, and I'm not not talking about River Church much because this is our culture. But we need to upgrade or to live above our culture. This is our life. We need to have mastery over our confession. Would you all say amen to that? We need to know what to say that advances our life because we, we must advance our life. The culture that we're in cannot do it. It doesn't mean if you got three triple doctorate degrees and two masters after that, you could be dumb as a rock in the things of life. You could go teach someone and you could be an expert in that area or this area but the broad spectrum, what do you know about nuclear medicine? What do you know about uh, uh, electricity? Or those engineers. What do you know about building a bridge? I, I don't know anything. Can you, can you change the head gaskets out on a V8? What's a V8? <laughs> so there's just, we've, we've, but, but in the kingdom, we have to know all of it. Have I got y'all's attention? We need to know. what I need mastery in every area because if I don't, the devil will try to kick my brains out in finances if I don't know anything about it. If I'm like, I didn't know you're supposed to give. I didn't know you're supposed to be cheerful. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. Well, you don't get a pass in the world. The devil will kick you to the curb and the world will have no mercy if you don't know how to master the world system of money. For instance... And if you don't know strife has every evil work in it, we'll just yak, yak, yak and do, do, you know, we'll just and we'll we'll be defeated. And that's my my thing. We're somewhat secure in our vocation because it's the culture and everybody doesn't know anything. (laughs) But in, in the kingdom, we're supposed to be this is our job. This is our calling. This is this is who we are and this is what we do. And that other stuff is. Who needs to take trigonometry? I know Barry Paul had to take it. Surely he did to be, you know, And all, all, but I never thought I'd need it for anything. How about you? Never. Physics, never. But here we are. Well, in Ephesians chapter 3, in the Passion. Can I just go straight to the Passion? And y'all just read it on the screen because... How deeply intimate and far-reaching is His love? We're talking about the always-answered asker. We're talking about being pre-qualified. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is God's love? How enduring and inclusive it is, endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. I say, Michael, never doubt. Because the word says never doubt. Can God do it? Yes, ma'am. Never doubt it. Never flinch. Never flitter. Never draw back. Never hesitate. Call it done without seeing anything. We sang this morning, he never stops working, even when we don't see it. Is that what it said? He's working. Uh, he will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most impossible dream. Now, this is, this is getting, this is pretty out there. Because we, we can think of some stuff. I was raised on the farm, but, you know, I know some stuff. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request. Not just like, okay, I think we can get that by the weekend. He said infinitely more. Your most unbelievable dream and exceed your wildest imagination. This God thing is big. Get, this God thing is amazing. This God thing's bigger than we thought. He's, yeah, way buddy better than what we gave him credit for. If he would just have a little mercy and help me with my rent, if he would just help me at my job or my marriage, just a little bit, Lord, I know infinitely more than what you can dream. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. And so we said last week, that you and I are designed, we are designed. The system is crafted. You know, if 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 you have a Volkswagen, you can't get a BMW transmission to replace your wore out Volkswagen. We gotta have a Volkswagen transmission to go in this little pup. And the same thing with God. He's gotta have him inside of us to do, to run, to go the path that he's called us. So all these amazing things that he says, I need you to be this, I need you to forgive. I need you to walk in love. I need you to walk by faith and not by sight. How are we going to do that? Well, here he tells us. I've got you wired for everything. You are pre-qualified <laughs> to, to be an always answered asker. So we, we said that we have been designed to ask God the first time in a conversational tone. And it's Done. Don't have to holler, don't have to shout, sure don't have to beg. Now, I know y'all aren't listening to me. I know because this is, this is, this, you got to be programmed even to hear this message and not stomp out. It's got to be in the book. And even then you're like, ah, I misprint. We can't handle this. We cannot handle this. This takes faith to wrap around this concept of how much God loves you and how instant he is to answer what you ask for, what you need, what you desire. It's in the book. It's always in there. So uh, we could say out of Ephesians 3.20 that it's always as good as God said. Did y'all get that? It's always as good as God said, and he just said a mouthful, and it's always better than you've ever known. It's as good as what he said, and it's better than what you've known. Now, I'm pulling on you this morning. Holy Ghost is saying, giddy up. Do y'all notice this is a giddy up message? It's like, we're we're not saying, oh, God wants you to suffer because he's mad and he's got to straighten you out and you are a tough cause. And how is he going to straighten you out? Well, he'll whack you here and take away that. It's not even like, okay, I can handle that. The only way we handle that is we don't believe it. So, I saw this yesterday somewhere else. Uh, I saw this title. It says, Call it like he sees it. I like that. I just call it like I see it. That's what people say. I just call it like I see it. Well, We're called, and it takes mastery, to call it like he sees it, to call those things that be not as though they were. I'm going to call it like he sees it. He sees me as the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. He sees me as greater than he that is in me than he that's in the world. He sees me always triumphing in Christ Jesus. He sees me. So I'm going to call it like he sees it. Well, I'm going to need a little help with my confession. I'm going to need a little help with my believing system. The word says in Peter, gird up the loins of your mind. The New International says, set your mind for action. I need, I need to pony up this. this uh, I got a 600 horsepower engine under the hood, and I got a Volkswagen transmission. Something's going to blow up if I don't upgrade. So I have to upgrade. I'm going to have to spend more than eight hours listening to some one that has a lot of repetition in it, a lot of review about being an always answered asker. I'm going to have to pound this in, because you know why? The church is used to, they are accustomed to, they are expecting to not get their prayers answered. Did y'all have a corporate gasp right there? It's absolutely the truth. They are used to praying religiously, because it's what Christians do. We, we ought to pray, But they are not expecting, what is this? Achieving infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. We're not even to the God will do it under any kind of conditions or just get close. We're not even there. Would I be right in saying that, assuming that, saying uh, that's my observation? I'm certainly in that, that case, but I'm doing better. How about you? I got my giddy-up on, and I'm doing better. James 4, 2, let me just read it to you. It says, you have not because you ask not, and you ask and receive not because you ask amiss, that you may consume it on your less. We know that verse. So the church has been taught, not lulled, not defaulted. We have been taught, and I can tell you, I've heard of many of them back in the day. We have, we have been taught to expect, unanswered prayer so we have low expectation and what we do is we get into works like well obviously God's not interested in this he's either mad at me or disappointed in me or never thought I had any potential so he's not interested in pulling in beside me and helping me there must be a low call on my life I must have a he didn't like me much so I got to do it myself and that's where the church is already sitting when they say, okay, everybody, we're going to pray, they're like, right. We're going to pray, but th- what, what will that do? Now, nobody would own up to this. I'm just talking that inside of people's, the, the truth part, It is like, right. God, answer prayer, right. God, give me favor, <laughs> now, that's never happened. Oh, they'll tell you, oh, God's good, and God's all over it, and God's, And they'll come up with some testimonies, but even a lot of them, they think that would have happened anyway. Can we kind of be hard on the the things that are true, and so we could exchange those untruths for things that are true, and say, I'm a vapor, I'm living in a vapor, I'm 68 years old, probably halfway. (laughs) I'm at least halfway, I would say, at 68. 68. I don't know, maybe not, but then so if I'm going to do it, I better do it now. If I'm going to do it now, I, based on the pattern of my past and my understanding of God, I'm going to have to change radically and completely I'm, to get this thing. Let me get it to you again. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. Listen, I've I've had an imagination that would run you off the road. How about y'all? Y'all got any dreams inside? But there's always, there's always the yeah, but. I like this. We've We've approached God based on our works. I'm a worm and not even a first-class worm. I'm just a, a worm, and so why would God exceed my greatest imaginations? What have I ever done for him that he said, that's, that's an attaboy? So we're condemned. But here's the truth. May not get any further than this. The principles of the kingdom are based on asking. Matthew 5, 4. Let me just... Asking is releasing to receive. When we ask, we give a, we make a place inside of our spirit to receive. If you don't ask, I love that scripture in in James where it says, "Is any sick among you let him call for the elders of the church? It's like, wow, I've experienced this personally. He ought to know I'm in the hospital and... Where is he? And then I get up there. I do get up there. Somebody calls and said, did you know Brother Doodly-Doo is in the hospital? No, I did not. He did not call. I go up there, and then I've told you my story over and over, where I'm sitting under the TV, and they're in the bed. and, and, And I'll look up real quick and see them, and they're watching TV. They didn't turn it down. They didn't turn it off. They just... They're just they're watching the TV and the man of God is in the room with them to do business. Do you think I want to watch their TV or listen, sit around and talk to them about their fishing and their vacation and their their new fence and how their chemicals don't work in their pool anymore? But that's what I get. That's all I get. It's like we're not doing business. But if you call for the elder of the church. Then he, then he, then there's a place made for him to pray the prayer of faith that will save the sick. But if you don't call, th- let me just tell you, there ain't nothing going to happen. You may say, ah, God knows. God will do it. He, he's real detailed in this thing. He's, if you want Bible results, you've got to do it the Bible way. But I can do it. I can do it the Bible way. It's not hard. It's not like sell your kids and and go. No, it's I can do everything. I can ask. I can ask with an expectation that he will exceed my wildest imaginations. At least he'll pony up to what I've asked. That's the least I'll have. he'll, He'll do what I've asked. But he says, his discretion, he'll do exceeding abundantly above what I can ask or imagine or think, meditate I can deal with that. I'd sign that, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you sign that deal if someone offered you, like, everything you ask, I'll give you, and then I'm going to do more. I'm going to throw in. We love to deal with people in a deal where they throw in. Let me throw this in for you. Since you're buying this, I'll just throw this in. We love to throw in. God says, I, I'm, I can do that. I'll throw in. So asking is releasing your faith to receive. Asking is releasing your faith to receive. Asking is releasing. i got to release my faith. This is a faith thing. Asking is releasing my faith. I'm on the line. I've I've committed to him to receive. Once I ask in faith, I have to get ready to receive. God's a better giver than we are receivers. Y'all know that. He's never the one that's short on it. It's always us. We just, we just have a hard time receiving something. So let's just look at some verses real quick. It's just, uh, I can't hardly read the clock. It's just 945, I think. Yeah, that's what it is. Hallelujah. Um, he maketh his son, Matthew 545. He maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good. And look, look, look. And he sendeth the rain on the just and then the unjust. So if you're not gonna ask, what are your odds? About the same as the unjust. I mean, he's sending the rain, he's sending the the sun to rise. If you're not asking what distinguishes you from someone else that's actually living more moral, more ethical than you are. Because lots of people that are not born again live better than Christians. Especially if you get into other religions like Hindu or Buddhist or something. They're straight. You get the Muslims out there, <laughs> 12 steps on Sabbath or whatever it is. We're, we're not the most, but uh, Job twenty seven sixteen and 17 says, <laughs> it's up there. Though the wicked heap up silver as the dust, though the wicked heap up silver as the dust and prepare raiment as the clay, he may prepare it but the just shall put it on. Say it with me. But the just shall put it on and the innocent shall divide the silver. What's it saying here? It's saying if you'll be an asker, God's already got your stuff. You go, where is it? Somebody's got it because he doesn't counterfeit money. He doesn't rain it down. Somebody, he's got it somewhere. You know all the natural gas that we use in the U.S. every winter? Where is that? Where does it come from? Do they just pump it out of the ground in the winter and then don't pump in the summer? No, they put it in these huge caverns, gazillion cubic feet of pressurized. They put it in these huge underground caverns and then put a valve on it and, and pump it up, pump it up. And then when you and I turn up the thermostat to 72, well, that cavern it comes out. Well, he's got his money, his stuff, his things for you and I. He's got it in the cavern. It's it's the Smiths. It's this. It's somewhere, and he knows where it's at. I needed the name in right there to go on. He knows where it's at. Hallelujah. Ecclesiastes two twenty six says, "For God giveth to a man that is good in His sight wisdom and knowledge and joy, but." The contrast but to the sinner he giveth travail what is hard about the sinner that he gets travail to gather and to heap up they, that he may give to him that is good before God God's God's got your stuff it's hidden in place, plain sight you go well there's laws against that you can't just go over there and steal the man's lawnmower and say God's got me a new lawnmower the neighbor bought it yesterday you can't go over there and do that, but you can do it with your faith. Because the silver and the gold is mine, saith the Lord, and the cattle on a thousand hills. He's got the title, the deed to everything. Nobody owns anything, no matter what the legal thing is on earth. Nobody owns anything. Oh, you know that from the, the, uh, the Jubilee. Remember that? You'd buy a piece of land or something, and you paid according to how far it was between then and the Jubilee, if it was just one year to Jubilee, you didn't pay much for it because it was going back. But if you had a 50 year, we just had the Jubilee last week, well, you, you had to pay 50 years worth. Well, that's the way it is. There's no title on people's stuff, even though they've got it. It's all Jubilee. Jesus is our Jubilee and it's all mine. Well, how do I get it? He gives it to me. Why does he give it to me? Because I ask in faith, which releases the stuff that he's got to me. As soon as I pray, as soon as I ask, as soon as I make my request known unto God, a system, a process, a plan starts to unfold where what that man or woman or company has begins to become unlodged from them and start heading my way. You go, I've never heard of this. It's in the book. It's in the book, but we weren't expecting it because we didn't think he would do exceeding abundantly above. We didn't think he could really do anything that we couldn't understand. Well, if I'd have known that, I could have done that. Well, you will never know it. He knows where everything is that you need. And as soon as you come up and say, God, I need of this, he says, I happen to have that in several colors. Be a little more specific and I can get you a yellow one or a green one. I've got them all Where? Where would you like that thing parked when we get through? You go, that's not the way God is. Sure he is. I can show you through the scriptures. Proverbs 13, 21 says, evil pursueth sinners, but to the righteous good will be repaid. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. And look, look, look. And the wealth of the sinner, say it with me, is laid up for the just. The key there is, is laid up. Men have been prospering. You go, why do them dirty dogs? They don't serve God. They blaspheme God. They do everything that we don't do in church. They just do it. And, and, and doggone, here I am. I'm driving a, a cranky old car and living in a cranky old house, and my neighbor's got the new thing with the boat behind it, driving up into his new house that he just bricked. You go, what's that all about? That's not right. And it has vexed. It has vexed the church for all these years. Because they thought they, they always thought they have it, and I don't. But the truth is, they've got it, so you will have it, but you've got to ask. Well, I don't want to ask. There's a culture of uh, false charity that's been in our uh, nation, around the world, where I don't ask for nothing. You' all know that culture where people said, "I'm not asking the government for anything. I'm not asking for mercy or charity. That's false unit humility. If you, know who's that, if you know what your stuff is, God's got it, you'll ask for it. And he will start to pull it out of the hands of people and send it your way. You go, well, that might take a while. The only thing is God answers prayer before we even ask it. The plowman overtaketh the reaper. So even before you say, yeah, I'm going to ask God for that. He's already been on that thing for 60 days or 100, already working it so that when you say, I believe I receive when I pray... Boom, there it comes. You go, what? that was fast. Well, he's been working on it. Do y'all believe this? Yes. Do you want to believe this? I do. I want to believe this. But I have to have the word. I can't just have a fairy tale. I got to have the word. Well, it's in the word. The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. I am the just. Not perfect, but I'm washed with the blood of Jesus. I've been made the righteousness of God in Him. It happened. It happened. I'm already a rich man. God, you're the preacher, you can't be rich. <laughs> I got more stuff in my life than you've ever, you could count. Where is it? Well, I'm, I'm in the process of asking for it. I can tell you it's all over me. So let me just give you this little thing here. Because you would say, uh, how does this money come? Well, I want to tell you how Jesus did it. Would that be all right? If he didn't do it, I'm not doing it. But if he did it, well, in Mark 14, he asked, for a man, he asked a man for a guest chamber to have Passover. Remember that last Passover? It was a doozy. But he asked a man, he said, go and ask the man for an r- upper room. Was, is that in the Bible? I can look it up for you if you want to. It's in Mark chapter 14. How about in Mark 11 where he asked for a colt? He said, go and, and ask him. You'll find a colt tied up there and say, the master has need of it. Ask him if you can have it because the master has need of it. So they did and they did and he did. Oh, you don't, that's not enough. Uh, remember, they did, Jesus didn't ask God. He asked men. He had favor and he asked men. Do this for the kingdom. In John chapter 6, where did those five loaves and two fishes come from? Ah, Jesus asked for them. Do you all know that? Read it. It's in John chapter 6. He asked for them. They, They said, he said, who's got anything? And they said, master, we have nothing. We have nothing except a boy here that's got this. Well, they didn't wrestle the boy to the ground and steal it from him. He asked ask for it. Uh, do you like John 2 where it says uh, uh, the miracle at Cana, the, the marriage at Cana? And they said, Master, we've run out of wine. He said, well, uh, what did he say? He said, fill the water pots with water. They weren't his water pots. They, it wasn't his water. But he, it belonged to somebody. And he got them to go do it, and they got all happy that afternoon. <laughs> it was a happy, a happy wedding, hallelujah. So, um, once you believe you receive, what things soever, thing soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them, ye shall have them. God goes to work, and like I just said, he goes to work before you even pray, but he begins to bring that into your life. You go, well, why doesn't he just bring it in anyway? Because it rains on the just and the unjust. The sun shines on everybody. There's no just, there's, why doesn't he just bring you and me as Christians what we need? Well, he said, you need to prove my lordship in your life. You need to have an expectancy based on faith, based on the word. If you'll bring your tithe into the storehouse, I'll open the windows. He says, I've got some yeah buddy windows I can open for you. Hmm, he does say that. And then it says that uh, if you'll make God great, if you'll make him the greater and you the lesser, he'll fund you, he'll supply you, he'll make it, he'll, he'll make it work. You're like, I don't really want to go to that trouble. Well, just just do without. Just be the unjust. Just be, uh, just be normal. They're, they're everywhere. Just have no expectation because you don't want to ask God. I don't think we ought to have to ask God. Jesus did. Uh... There's two ways to receive, and then I'll quit with this, which I can go an hour on this, hallelujah. There's two ways to receive. Number one, you, you receive, you ask the world. You ask the world, and, and uh, uh, we're not going to go there, but in 2 Kings chapter 4, remember the prophet came to the widow, and she said, they're coming after my boys. I've, my husband died, we have a debt, the boys are security, and they're coming after it. And the man of God said, what do you have? She said, "I have nothing, Lord." And then she thought a minute and said, "Well, I've got this little bitty cruise of oil." And what did the man of God say? "Go and borrow vessels, not a few." Well, so uh, there was people involved in her miracle. And when the last vessel was full, the word says, the oil stopped. So, how many vessels are you borrowing? You know, you ought to build a garage for your new car, or something. You ought to make a place. You ought to, you ought to give $1,000 to Africa, because here's why. There's plenty more where that came from. That's the most powerful thing we've said in quite some time, and we've said some powerful things. There's plenty more where that came from. It just stops every argument, it stops every whine, or every gripe, or every insecurity, it stops it. When you believe, when you believe, there's plenty more where that came from. I don't mind giving it or, or using it or whatever, because there's plenty more. And I just read you Ephesians 3.20 in the Passion. There's plenty more, exceeding abundantly above more. So in, uh, remember, we won't go there, but in Exodus chapter 3, where, where uh, Moses said, uh, go ask the Egyptians. Go borrow. The word is not borrow, but it means to request, to ask, to demand. Uh, Go, go borrow jewels and gold and silver from the Egyptians, and get it on the easy payment plan, like never return." Hallelujah. Uh, Psalm 105 says he brought them out with silver and gold, and there was no feeble, feeble, among their tribes. How did that happen? How did they get from being slaves for 450 years to being silver and gold, wealthy and no feeble? How? They borrowed, they took it from the people that had it, that were evil, were against God, persecuting God's people, not letting them out. Bad people, (laughs) bad Pharaoh. And he had all this stuff. It was the greatest nation, the greatest empire at that time. They had everything. They had gold gold everything. So if I was a Christian and I was asking men for things that God said they had, I'd ask them for Sunday off. Now, you know, I'm real big on asking Sundays off. I'd ask Sunday off. I'd just say, listen, Mr. Employer, Mr. Bossman, I got to have church. I'll be the best help you've ever had. I'll be honest. I'll show up. I won't steal from you, but I need church. And they're looking around at all the other help that's stealing and carrying on and, and won't do their work. And they say, We'll get some heathen. We'll get Johnny Bob, who does not know Sunday from Tuesday. We'll get him to work on Sunday. Are y'all getting this? Um, what else did I have there? Uh, I'd, ask, I'd ask my boss or people. I, I do this now. I'd ask them for special deals. Now, I wouldn't do like I heard yesterday. I heard I was in a place, a business, and a lady came in. I was in the U-Haul getting a little hitch, put on a little red, and uh, a lady come in and said, uh, how much is it going to be? So he's looking in there for her truck. How much, she says, do you have any senior discounts? Which I'm all about that. Ask, that, ask for that because, you know. Then she, he, they said, no, no senior. And then she said this. She said, how about any poor little old women discounts? Right, she, she, he said, no, ma'am, we don't have any of them poor little old... That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about begging with our hand out. We're talking about, I got this. Are you the one that's bringing it? Or should we look for another? Oh, it's powerful. But you know what you got to do before you ask? You got to believe you receive in prayer. You got to receive it. And then you're just looking. God's got it and you're looking he gives you unction, he leads you, you're at the right place, you start seeing things and you go, is that thing you're driving mine? <laughs> I mean, you have that attitude, you would never say that, but you start having an attitude where he knew before I was going to ask that I needed this by next Tuesday, and so he's already got this thing in the, in the queue. So number one, you just, you just ask the world, but number two, a way to receive is through relationships. And you need to not get these two mixed up. Relationships is where the man in Luke chapter 5, he comes to his neighbor and he said, "I I got somebody coming in this afternoon and I need some bread. He said, well, I'm already in bed. My kids are in there with me. I'm not coming to the door. And the word says, let me just read it to you. Y'all, this is real good. Now, your fuses are getting warm. Y'all know what that means? The wires are hot, and your fuses are getting warm. You're about to blow a fuse over this, how good God is. You just barely can handle it. And you've even got one eye kind of on the side eye, kind of like, I don't know about that. Well, we just keep looking at it. And then you go to ask God, here's what you ought to do is say, instead of wondering about me in the Bible, just ask God, is that right? (laughs) He'll say, yeah, that's right. I I put it in the word just for you, knucklehead. Uh, Chapter 11 of Luke, uh, verse uh, 5, it says, and he said, which of you shall have a friend and shall go into him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves? For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And and he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I will say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend. Yet because of his importunity, his bold, shameless asking. Cockiness is what we said last week. He will rise and give as many as he needeth. Now, do y'all believe Jesus told this story as truth? Or was he just trying to make a point and he had to make up some stuff that's not true? Every parable that the Lord Jesus ever told is true in all its parts, not just the point. So he told every part of this to be true. You can take every part of this and you can activate it in your life. And... Uh, so you're asking people, I need your influence. I need you to go ask somebody for me for what I need. And uh, one thing I do, here's an example, the pastor receives the offerings in the church. Now, you know, a lot of people can't do that because they're like, I'm not asking people for their money, especially if I'm the pastor and I get a salary and I'm, ask, I'm begging them for my money to, to support me, to put gas in my car. Lots of people can't, but I ask shamelessly, shamelessly I ask for you to do what God's word says for you to do. Now there's a line, and I want to talk about this and then we'll quit. There's a line, and you should not cross the line. And Here's the line. Uh, You should ask God occasionally. You should so be out there. So be out there. I mean, you're out there asking for stuff. You go, don't ask God for that. You hadn't been that good. That's right, I haven't. But his blood has. So you should ask, uh, uh, you should require that God tell you when you've asked too much, when you've crossed the line. And he'll say, buddy, son, that, we're not doing that. But here's the key. You should never assume you have ever seen the line. Let God tell you. He can talk. He can, he can minister. We're, we're, we, we can get it. If you say, if he says, hey, 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 settle down, settle down, you, you're, he never will. But you ought to let God tell you, this is out of order. This is out of line. This is just crazy. You are messing up my gospel with other people, and they're just, they're just all falling apart because of what you're doing. Let him tell you that, but until he does, be out there. Always be bumping the line. Always be driving down by the fence. Don't be 48 yards away from it. You ought to get by the fence line, the border, and then go down there, find the gate, and then get on the other side and drive even further out. I'd ask God for stuff that's amazing. I'm telling you we're in this building because we asked God for it. I'm telling you we're going to pay for a new building someday, way. Y'all see that church right in there? It's in there. You don't see it? Well, just hide and watch, as my father always said, and you'll see it. And so one thing you can do is measure your faith by persecution. If you're not getting persecution for, for asking, which is not the same as a rebuke from the Lord, then you're not, you're not, you're not out there. You ought to have some pushback every once in a while. Uh you ought to have some persecution, some criticisms, like all oh, he does is ask. I promise you I have been plenty criticized for my place in this pulpit and receiving the offerings. So I guarantee you, lots of people don't like it. So I'm driving the fence line. Now I, I never I never play to the emotions of people. I never play on their soul. I never get out of the word, do what the word says, and I don't care because. Because he has supplied me, Michael Billings, personally, and he has supplied River Church. And if you want to be a part of that supply, if you want to be a part of our harvest, whoo-hoo! Yay! Get on and we'll all ride together. But if you don't, I don't care. Disobey, be double-minded, whatever you want to do, it doesn't matter to me. I'm not trying to get money out of you to support anything. I just want you to be blessed. And if you don't see it, well, don't do it. Don't do it until you see it, because God loves a cheerful giver. And I give mine. I'm, I'm should I say that? If you ever wondered if, if the pastor is a big giver, let me just tell you, I, I, I'm out there. I know who gives what. At the end of the year, I see totals, and me and good girl are always out there. Sometimes somebody drops a big, big wad down, and I like—I have a hard time catching up with that. But I'm always pushing it. So I—I I, I practice what I preach. I give in every offering, and I'm not tipping. I do—I do tell the wait- waitresses. I—I never I, I like, told this the other night. I always ask them, "Do you have change for a dollar?" We're thinking about tipping. <laughs> 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 Now, here's my last thing. One day, you and I are going to wake up, and you're going to (laughs) know. That was good, wasn't it, Jonathan? (laughs) I learned that all by myself. Hallelujah. One day, you're going to wake up, and you're going to know that there's not enough time to do everything you want to do. Now, I know we're all immortal. We're all going to live to be 10,000, and I know we're all going to feel as good as we did when we were 25. I know all of us know that. I know none of us are going to get old like our old parents. I used to say to my, uh, of my parents, I said, get a life, giddy up, go, do. What what do you want to do, sit on the couch? The couch is not that bad, I can tell you. (laughs) To do that, to avoid or to steer around, that someday you're going to wake up and you're going to say, I can't do that anymore. Do it now while you can still get up and do it all and say to yourself, do, Michael, what only you can do so that you will do, can do all that you're called to do so that you'll run your race and finish your course. Don't be caught halfway in the race and and pull up with a, you know, with a gimpy ankle or something, so to speak, in, in life. Pace yourself. Do what only you can do, and you'll do everything you're called to do. Well done, thou good and faithful. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, a few things. It's not the whole world. It's not everything that's out there that looks like we could do it better than anybody, and they, there's nobody around, and we need to do it. It needs to be done. Nope. I can tell you if the grass gets this tall out in the front, y'all just need to bring your weed whackers and just hack you a spot out to the front door because I'm not mowing the grass. I've mowed it for a hundred years and I don't care. I'm not mowing it because anybody can mow it. For example, I mean, you're going to go, and people like, you don't do much like you used to. I have, I'm not bragging on me. I'm just saying I've paid my part. I did when I was young, everything there was to do from early to late. And now I'm doing the word and prayer from early to late. I'm not retired I'm just I'm just in faith now. So, what are you asking him for? You ought to have a list. You ought to have a list of what you're asking him for, and say, okay, check. He brought that. Wow, that was a good man, Lord. You, I asked for ten, and you brought me twenty. Yeah. Check. If you don't have a list of some kind of, uh, uh, of of, then you hadn't asked him for anything. And if you hadn't asked him for anything, then you've never got in faith to receive anything the sun's coming up and the rain's coming down on the just and the unjust and you're just like everybody else what will be will be kesarossa you're just you're just out there hoping and praying not me i got it i stumbled into some things that are true and the lord is bringing them to pass i want them to say that rich preacher over there <laughs> I let him wonder. Ah, He must be dealing drugs on Saturday. (laughs) He he distributes on Sunday. That's why he has a big church. (laughs) Yeah, that is a little weird, isn't it, Jonathan? Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for helping us. It's so easy, Lord. We are just tempted out of our minds to let it go by. It's just not what we expected. But it's what you said. So I adjust this morning. I change my mind. I, I, I will not be double-minded anymore. You said, Lord, don't be double-minded. You said, make the decision. Choose which way you're going to go. Choose and be happy about it. We choose the kingdom this morning. Lord, I, I, we all have a different part. We're not trying to all do somebody else's part or do what somebody else is doing. We're just going to do our part and you'll be happy and we'll be happy and they will be happy everywhere. Thank you for wisdom, Lord, and discretion to watch over us, to decipher, to discern, to, to bring to pass what you have called us each to do, to know our part and do our part. You said all the parts in the body, they've got honor. They've got honor, the little toe, the, the ear, and Lord, whatever we each are, We fit in the body. So let us do our part and be faithful over it. I know you want to. So, Lord, we agree with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Favor. Supernatural increase and promotion. Restoration of all the enemy has stolen. Honor in the midst of adversaries. Increased assets, especially in real estate. Greater victories in the midst of greater odds or impossibilities. Recognition, even when we seem the most likely to receive it. The least likely, excuse me. Prominence and preferential treatment. I like that one. Petitions granted even by ungodly civil authorities. And I'm telling you, this is going to come in the days ahead where government oversteps. But but we're going to be in Goshen. Policies, rules, regulations and laws change to my advantage and battles won. We won't even have to fight because God has fought them for us. That's who we are. That's what we have. That's what we do. Amen. I bless you in Jesus name. I declare you victorious, triumphant, the head, an overcomer in the front seat, guiding, steering. You're making it work. We take our place, Lord. We put on tenacity, boldness. We become stalwart and and resilient and fierce for the kingdom. I am fearless today. I am fearless in the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, we could preach till 3 o'clock, but we won't. But if you come back next week, we'll be here Wednesday, and we're ministering on Talk Yourself Into the Life You Love.